Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining me today is our Education and Events Coordinator, Katherine Kinsey. Welcome, Katherine. Thank you. Well, uh, we all kind of had a nice Christmas and a New Year's Eve uh, at home, but at the office it was not a good end to the year. No thanks no. to the one and only former Governor Rick Snyder. Right. I a tearless goodbye, I think we're calling it. <laughs> yeah, tearless goodbye. Um, so we had talked about some bills that uh, were sent to his desk in the lame duck session. And those were our number one priority was our uh, making our ban on webcam abortions permanent. Also, we had uh, legislation to revive our stillborn child tax credit. Uh, which he actually did sign. Um, hard to veto a bill when it's got unanimous votes in the House <laughs> and Senate. And then also legislation uh, to allow baby boxes at uh, fire stations, police stations, hospitals, etc. Which he vetoed. Yep. Vetoed that one. Um, you know, those bills, we're confident that we can get that done here in the new year. Um, they both passed by super majorities in the House and Senate. His reasoning for uh, vetoing that bill was uh, it was inappropriate. Yeah, like that's all he really said about it. Um, so what's 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 inappropriate about so the purpose of the baby boxes is some women uh, with our safe delivery law that allows them to freely surrender their uh, newborns. Um, some women just don't trust the confidentiality of it. They just don't want to see another human being. They just really don't want anyone to know. And even though you know the law ensures their confidentiality, in their mind, uh, because they're actually meeting with an emergency service mm -hmm. provider to hand the baby over, there is no confidentiality. And so baby boxes are like the last ditch way for those uh, small but real subset of women who mm -hmm. just refuse, they don't want anyone to know. Like, for example, in Indiana, one baby was surrendered with the umbilical cord still attached. Yeah. So this is not situations where women are just thinking they're going to put the baby up for adoption. This is the final option. That is, right. Sadly, for some women who would otherwise abandon and let their children die. Um, right. But that's inappropriate, Catherine. Right. I mean, I mean, it obviously freaks a lot of people out to be to be facing the reality that you have you have to provide that option in the first place but i mean the sad truth is like the the alternative is that they're going to die basically which is inappropriate in my mind right okay um well you know we'll revisit that i'm sure and then whether governor I and mean, governor Whitmer might sign that bill um a lot of uh Elected officials who otherwise support abortion saw the plain wisdom and um, voted for those bills. Right. And so hopefully we'll see that uh, come to Michigan soon. Mm -hmm. um, so the webcam bill was the big one, and Snyder vetoed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so many ways that, so many things to detail. I think, well, let's start with the practical effect. So... Planned Parenthood in other states 
has uh, developed this webcam abortion process as a means to deal with the fact that um, they only have a few abortionists and uh, they can't go everywhere. They want them to stay in their nice, big, cushy offices in their big cities. Mm -hmm. And then for all the women who don't live in the big metropolitan areas, um, they just want them to call up the abortionist on a video phone and get prescribed an abortion pill without the abortionist ever even meeting or physically examining the woman. Right. And so for them, it's a cheap way for Planned Parenthood to expand abortion and uh, make sure their abortionists don't have to deal with patients, which... Um, you look at surgical abortions, you know, um, they s stack the women up on their schedule like cordwood. That abortionist right. comes in, he comes out, he's in there for just a few minutes. It's, it's like an assembly line. Mm -hmm. um, one former Planned Parenthood employee in Delaware described their abortion clinic as a meat market. Wow. And so Planned Parenthood is just going to utilize that to expand abortions and cut back on uh, proper patient care which has been their M.O. Uh, in a lot of states where they've gotten in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, so they might help for them in Michigan. Uh, the bottom line is uh, most surgical abortion facilities are in the lower half of the state. There's not a lot in the U.P. There's not a lot in northern Michigan. Right. Um, even though the bulk of the abortions are happening in urban areas, particularly Detroit, mm -hmm. Planned Parenthood would love to not have to make abortionists, uh, you know, drive up in the north when they can right. still do abortions, you know. Because the convenience of the abortionist, Catherine, is the most important thing in this, right? Yeah. Not not anything about, you know, the relationship between the woman and the doctor or anything like that. Just right. abortionists. So they may be expanding that soon. Um, we'll keep an eye on it. So that's kind of the practical effect. But I think what really frustrates people is... Uh, you know, Rick Snyder holds himself out, describes himself as one tough nerd. Now, yeah. Catherine, if you're going to describe yourself as a tough, <laughs> if you're going to give yourself that objective and declare, I'm a tough guy, um, do you think you would have the basic courage to actually tell people what you believe on an issue, right? I mean, you would, you would think so. Do tough guys get scared of actually telling people what they really believe? No. You ever met a? You ever met a? Yeah. Have you ever met a real tough guy who uh, doesn't want to, or a, a real tough nerd who tough doesn't want to tell you about what they think? Yeah. No. No offense to. <laughs> I could be qualified as a nerd sometimes, and sometimes I love telling people about what I think a little too much. Um, but Rick Snyder back in 2010 uh, ran as a pro-life candidate. He said he was pro-life. He had pro-life individuals uh, run cover for him and say mm -hmm. that he's pro-life. But um, that's what they wanted voters to hear if you actually looked at what he really said, if you look at his past and his record. Um, he was, wasn't. <laughs> he you described, wasn't. you used the word lukewarm. Right. Uh, lukewarm pro-life person at best. Or pro-life on his own terms. Right. Whatever his own terms happen to be. Yep. Um, and it was very it was very frustrating, this primary race, because uh, I don't know if you recall, but back in 2010, there were, there were five candidates running. Um, two of them were kind of the front runners, were uh, Mike Cox and Pete Hoekstra. And everyone thought that one of those two would win. No one thought anything of Rick Snyder. He was down in the polls. People were writing him off. And... Mm -hmm. We were telling people otherwise. 
you know, this man, he's not really pro-life. Don't mm-hmm. listen to what he says. He's just cynically manipulating you for your votes. Right. And um, he does have a chance to win. He has a he has gobs of his own cash that he can mm-hmm. spend, which he ended up doing on the uh, big commercials and uh, branding himself as a tough guy. <laughs> um, and... He he won in a crowded field. Uh, you know, in those kind of situations, the Right Side of Michigan Political <clears throat> Action Committee will only endorse one of the pro-life candidates to try as much as possible to unite the vote, to prevent uh, the pro- right. pro-abortion, or in this mm-hmm. case... Um, well, I guess we can't call him pro-abortion now. Yeah. I think the mask has slipped. I mean, we'll get into that <laughs> in a minute. Um, but uh, to prevent those candidates from winning, unfortunately, that's what happened. Now... Um, while Rick Snyder may not actually be tough in right. any sense of the word, um, he's a smart man and realized that he at least had to appear to be pro-life to people in order to continue to get support and work with a ton of pro-life legislators. Mm-hmm. Now, um, so we, we, over the last eight years, um, you know, we recognize that, so say in the 2010 general election, um, you know, if the pro-abortion opponent he was facing would have won, that would have been very bad for us. Right. Uh, ditto for 2014. Um, and so we recognize that, and uh, we've, we've tried to work with him and with individuals close to him, um, many cases, who have been helpful. But the bottom line is he, he was never big fans of us. Uh, yeah. You know, we got the sense that he didn't like the fact that we didn't endorse him, which... Well, well, <laughs> this can we do yeah, that? this uh, yeah, these last few days, you know, the veto. That's why we didn't endorse you because we knew you would do something like this. Yeah. Um, also, he was very upset uh, when we did the petition drive for uh, the no taxes for abortion insurance to prevent you from having abortion baked into your insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he vetoed our legislation to do that. Um, somewhat unexpectedly, and so that forced us to uh, go around him directly to the voters Mm -hmm. to get that initiated back into the legislature and then passed into law without his signature. Um, You know, it's tough to be mad at us. You know, we don't want to pay for abortions. We don't want it to be (laughs) on our health insurance policies, uh, you know, um, against our own choice. And so... uh, if you're going to disrespect all the voters that you told <laughs> that you were pro-life, you're going to have to expect them to um, do something protect about themselves it. Yep. legislatively if they have the means to do so, which they do in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, last eight years, it's you know our legislative agenda has not been driven necessarily about what's the best bill that we can do to save the most lives or to, uh, to affect the issue. It's really been about what will Snyder do? Right. Trying and, to just work with him as best as we possibly can. <laughs> and I, completely unpredictable. Yeah. We had no we had no clue what he would do on the webcam bill. What, right. Did you ex- have the expectation I, one or the other? I really did not know. Yeah, it could, it could go either way. And I, it did. I was hoping he was going to sign it because he signed it originally into right. law, which was the annoying thing, that he signed the original ban into law. Um, as part of uh, a couple package of bills that we did. One of his stipulations uh, that he negotiated with us was that there would be a sunset on it um, at the end of 2018. And so the, the theory, the theory being, well, if something changes in telemedicine, then maybe I won't sign this. Now, 
there hasn't been any Nothing great advance changed, in telemedicine. Yeah. The nature of abortions or the abortion pill or its safety hasn't changed. Um, if anything, we've learned more and more about the horrible, uh, the horrible irresponsibility in mm -hmm. the abortion industry. In the statement he released about the veto, uh, he just said that um, it's safe. He called it it's basically safe, and everyone right. should be able to do it. Yeah. So, like, was it his plan all along to just not sign it after, you know, it came back to him? or? Well, a, a cynical <laughs> interpretation would be he didn't really want to do that, um, but he felt forced to in order to appear to be pro-life to the voters right. uh, for his re-election effort. But uh, knowing then that in 2018 he wouldn't face that pressure anymore. And, um, yeah. It doesn't sound like the actions of a tough guy, does no. it? You know, cynically manipulating. Yeah. Now, um, I suppose we should try to be fair. You know, he did sign a couple of our bills. He did sign that package that the webcam ban originally was included in. Mm -hmm. um, he did sign, uh, sign a partial birth abortion ban. Um, so to say that he is, uh, you know, to say that he's entirely pro-abortion is maybe not fair. But... Right. Um, you know, one got the sense that he was comfortable with Planned Parenthood, with the abortion yeah. industry. Um, he vetoed, uh, well, he had a signing statement that denied um, enforcing uh, a law. We talked about this in an earlier podcast to try to make sure that uh, family planning funding is prioritized to organizations that don't provide abortions, which is actually right. state law. And uh, he released a signing statement saying he's going to ignore the law. Real tough ignore there, the you know, I'm just going to yeah. ignore it. I don't want to enforce it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we've spent the last eight years uh, really trying to work with him, trying to not criticize him, um, uh, and, uh, you it's know, over. making our best effort. <laughs> well, it's over now. We don't have to, we don't have to be nice, um, you know. He certainly could have communicated with us in advance uh, what his intentions were, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, his legacy uh, for us is certainly uh, scores of missed opportunities to save yeah. lives. And that's ultimately the most frustrating thing is he, he, he said he was pro-life. That's what he... Um, you know, metaphorically looked in the eyes of the voters and told him, I'm pro-life, I agree with you. Um, but the bottom line is he never actually faced the real questions of the of the bills that we were presenting to him, right. um, you know, that these are bills on issues of life and death and uh, no awareness mm -hmm. recognizable that he gave any serious thought or wrestled <clears throat> with thoughts um, about the life and death's uh, practical effects of his actions. And right. so it can't get inside Rick Snyder's head, but to an outside observer, everything that he did on our issues was sheer political calculation. And um, I can't I can't really say otherwise. I don't know, yeah. I mean, he did. He had basically the opportunity to save lives, like with the webcam bill. Like, who knows how many more abortions this will cause but no he did not we could have banned uh late-term abortions or dismemberment ban which he was not keen on uh, or at least we didn't think he was keen on yeah. you know it's really hard to guess for the guy who tells you i'm pro-life but then you have no idea where he actually stands right so frustrating
Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I could go on for another <laughs> four or five days, uh, but uh, we only have, you know, uh, 20 or 30 minutes. So let's move on. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so we have a new Congress now. Uh, the old Congress has left. Uh, some mm-hmm. of them uh, retired, lost their elections and whatnot. And the new Congress, including many incumbents, of course, uh, is now seated. And uh, they come in as a, at a time when uh, we have a, uh, a, a shutdown fight, if you right. will, in the federal government um, uh, over the budget, basically a budget battle. And, um, you know, the first thing that uh, Nancy Pelosi, the new speaker, the old new speaker, <laughs> or the new old speaker of the House, she previously served as Speaker of the House, um, and is... Uh, widely uh, not liked across the fruited plain. Now, right. I mean, for me personally, <laughs> she's not any different than any of her colleagues. So people mm-hmm. really don't like her. Um, and the first thing she did, and maybe this is why she shouldn't be liked, is try to insert language. Uh, and it will actually pass through the now Democratic-controlled U.S. House. Right. Um, a language to uh, rescind President Trump's... Uh, uh, Mexico City, the Mexico City policy, or mm-hmm. uh, the Protect Life rule, because kind of expanded, which prevents your tax dollars from being sent to organizations overseas that provide and promote abortions, that try to shame countries, especially in Latin America and Africa, mm-hmm. into embracing abortion. Um, also, increasing funding for the United Nations Population Fund, which has been complicit in China's uh, one-child policy, now two-child policy. Right. Where um, it's not just a rule. I mean, you think about, well, okay, women, you can only have one child or now two children. Well, what happens when they don't? Well, um, forced abortions, yeah. uh, beatings, disappearing interrogations, crippling fines. Uh, your tax dollars through the United Nations is supporting that. Yeah. And the first thing Nancy Pelosi did when she got back in this budget fight is try to say, President Trump, we aren't going to fund the government unless you agree to send money overseas yeah to great. abortion the abortion industry directly <laughs> great first move there no. well i mean they're entirely tone deaf um maybe they're more activist supporters uh would totally agree with that mm-hmm. they call the mexico city policy and something they call it the global gag rule yeah um, because it prevents basically international planned parenthood and marie stopes international which are giant abortion conglomerates uh, from getting money their reasoning calling it the gag rule is oh we can't promote abortion now on the taxpayer's dime <laughs> darn it oh, no. man yeah if i could think of the first thing that the united states government really needs to address in this country is uh forcing yeah. malta and uh, mexico or uh, Peru or any other countries to embrace abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Yep. No. <laughs> you think, think about our current governor, Gretchen Whitmer, ran on a policy. Uh, well, she her big talking point was fix the damn roads. And Nancy, Pol- Nancy Pelosi's policy is get rid of more foreigners. Yeah. I mean that. It's true. That's that's the practical <laughs> effect when you you know abortion takes life of human beings, and when you try to force other countries to embrace abortion, you're I mean you're taking the lives of their citizens. Yeah. And other countries don't always you know they don't appreciate it like they are pro life. We value uh, the life of our children. Um, some people 
have you even called that basically another form of colonialism? Yeah. You know, uh, Western nations imposing their values, mm -hmm. uh, in this case, uh, bad values, that human life right. doesn't have any meaning until the child's out of the womb. And I don't think our tax dollars should be funding that. And most Americans, you look at opinion polls, would agree that, uh, you know, their money should not be used to promote abortion overseas. And the real thing that gets me, Catherine, is so the whole the whole budget battle was over uh, funding for a wall on the U.S. border. Right. Um, on one side, you have people arguing that it would help stop um, illegal immigration. On the other side of the argument, you, you have people who believe that we should welcome uh, more immigrants, or, mm -hmm. or a wall sends a bad message about how we value the lives of these yeah. people. Um, okay. So uh, we obviously don't take a position on that because, uh, you know, uh, immigration policy generally doesn't involve our issues. But, I mean, if, if your position is uh, we can't have a wall at the border because it sends a bad message about how we value the lives of people who don't live in this country. Right. Why would your counteroffer... Uh, demand be that we fund organizations overseas that take the lives of <laughs> citizens who live in other countries. There's no logic in that. There just isn't. <laughs> there is no logic in it. I can't, I'm, I, 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 you know, it's <laughs> mind boggling. It, it is. It's mind boggling, you know, and it, it, it's a strange blind spot. Um, you know, when we talk about abortion with people, uh, overpopulation is uh, frequently mentioned as right. uh, an excuse. Now, I've never met any, well, I, you know, I shouldn't say this, that, um, you know, because there, there was a case recently where a man actually committed suicide because of over, he believed in overpopulation. Right. And yeah. um, so we really don't want people committing suicide. Um, but, I, I, you know, people never look at themselves about overpopulation. It's always someone else. And especially when you look at overseas population control, it's always those countries yeah. over there that are the problem. Mm -hmm. um, or the thought that, what are we going to do with all these children? As if taking care of the next generation is some kind of New idea. horrible burden for yeah. people who, who are only in the positions they are because their parents and others around them <laughs> took care of them. Right. Um, this strange blind spot where particularly Western nations, uh, particularly um, especially uh, wealthy individuals who mm -hmm. live in these large, maybe it's because they live in these large, dense cities. Right. Uh, we did a podcast episode a couple of years ago, kind of looking at how all this overpopulation stuff fits together. Um, but they, they just have zero respect for, for human life. In other countries, and they and they see every hu new human life as uh, as a burden, mm -hmm. as an obstacle. Um, but yet, at the same time, they want to say that every new person coming to our country is an asset and yeah. should be welcome. Yeah. And you know, it's it's that abortion blind spot because they dehumanize uh, children before they're born. They just they don't care. They just they really don't see them as the human beings they are. Right. I mean, you you can come to America as long as, you know, maybe you implement more 
population control in your own countries? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, whatever your views on the immigration debate and, and how that should all work out, I, I, I think, a, you know, a simple f fact of life should be that a, a human life is an asset. Right. The only reason that we have civilization in the first place is to encourage the flourishing of human life. And mm -hmm. in, in some ways, we become an anti-civilization when we start to see our own people um, as a problem and right. reducing uh, the number of people out there as a, a positive goal. Uh, yeah. And it's selfish. It's sad, too. Straight up selfish. Yeah. All right, well, uh, it's January now, and so uh, it's a big time in the pro-life movement. Uh, we recognize the annual um, anniversary, some say memorial, of Roe versus Wade and Dole versus Bolton uh, mm -hmm. on January 22nd. Uh, it's a year that uh, we also celebrate Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Um, often we'll talk about, and you'll hear more about it from us, it'll be about just the number of abortions. There was that right. story that came out uh that a lot of people saw that abortion is the leading cause of death in the world, mm -hmm. um, which it is, and in the United States, um, yep. 59 million abortions since 1973. So we'll be highlighting all that, and uh, really the big event in the pro-life movement in January is the March for Life. Yeah, on the 18th. On the 18th in Washington, D.C. Uh, now it's not the only one. There's one on the West Coast. Uh, there's one in Chicago a couple of days before, but the one in D.C., um, is stays the largest. A lot of people don't. Some a lot of people want to stay home because it is so it's large. Hundreds of cold. thousands of people. Is <laughs> <laughs> well, we live in the Midwest. We don't yeah. want to <laughs> just not talk about that. We don't remind ourselves. Um, it 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 can be cold. Uh, yeah. There can be blizzards that prevent you from going to the march yeah. for life. But this year I'm going. Um, it's always exciting. There's a lot of young people. Uh, a lot of energy. Um, it gets horrible coverage. Uh, yeah. In the media generally, um, even though, you know, year after year, hundreds of thousands of people continues to grow larger and larger. Yeah. Um, last couple of years, we've had the vice president and the president speak. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. And so uh, there's a lot of trips from Michigan, either through Rights Life Michigan affiliates, some churches are going, some other uh, people are just traveling down. So I encourage you, if you aren't, uh, doing something with your local affiliate for Sanctity of Human Life Sunday that you consider taking a trip down. I think everyone should do it once. Uh, just get the sense that the pro-life movement is uh, large, right. energetic, United. optimistic, mm -hmm. and, and uh, exceptionally uh, young, really. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again, and we'll give you a recap of the march. Uh, so it won't be a Friday, just yeah. a little bit after the March for Life. Have a wonderful weekend.